Cavis Construction, bringing you hour number one of the rush on a Monday. Saw a lot of employees from Cavins today at the Cab OU Football Coaches Luncheon. Gary and the team, they can do it all. Uh, home, commercially, whatever you need, go check out cavensconstruction.com to see all the services that Cavins provides. I, I thought that this was uh, pretty fun before we get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. There was a newspaper writer way back in 1993 because Arkansas and South Carolina had just shifted to the SEC and there was a writer from 1993, Daily News, Mike Kern is his name, and he tried to guess where conference realignment was going to go in the future. Way back in 93, right? Uh, let's see how he did, Teddy. He picked okay. the SEC. The SEC has the uh, original, you know, the, the 12 members that they had before A&M and Missouri were there. He predicted that Cincinnati and Memphis State would eventually join the SEC to make it a 14-team league. Cincinnati and Memphis State. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He predicted the Big Ten would add one team to get to 12, and that one team would be Missouri. That's interesting. Okay. He predicted the Pac-10 would add two teams, BYU. This is before the Big 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he predicted the Pac-10 would add two teams, BYU and Colorado. So there's at least one on the board. Yeah. He, uh, he, he said that the Big 8 and the Southwest Conference would consolidate, which there were definitely you know a handful of teams from the Southwest Conference that rolled into the Big 8. But he picked, uh, he picked it to be a 16-team league that would also include Tulane and Tulsa. Oklahoma, Nebraska, KU, K-State, Iowa State, OSU, A&M, Baylor, Texas, Houston, Rice, SMU, TCU, Tech, Tulane, and Tulsa. What a league that would have been. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he probably never thought that the, like, the big boys would leave, right? Like, like once they're in a conference, there's no way they would ever leave that conference. That's ridiculous. So... That's that's pretty wild, though. Also predicted Notre Dame to the Big East, <laughs> a league that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> that one's that one's uh, uh, Did he kind of get that right with Notre Dame halfway going to the ACC? I it's because like, didn't the closest, they absorb the closest thing he got in that whole thing, other than Colorado to the Pac-12? Don't you love the internet? Poor guy, nineteen ninety three made a prediction, uh, and people are trying to clown him on it. Uh, however many years later, brutal, brutal. Uh, Greg from Lawton says, yeah, this is Oklahoma. No loss is accepted. Someone giving you props up in the 918 for the perfect Undertaker analogy. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, not on our watch. Let's hope, anyways. Ethan Downs yeah, is going to bring it for the defense, and he's going to do it right meow. Thanks, guys, from Ronaldo in the Village. Yeah, what did did uh, Venables have anything to say about Ethan Downs? Uh, he had uh, something to say about the four defensive ends. He thinks that all four of those guys are going to play a lot and can realistically start, though. He mentioned uh, Ethan Downs and Stripling right offhand, and then he had to like take a moment to remember who the other two defensive ends were. So I don't know if that was telling at all, but it was like, oh, okay, you can remember who <laughs> what Reggie Grimes' name was there for a second. Yeah, well, yeah, that's um, it's tough. That's tough business whenever you're trying to remember everyone right there on the spot on uh, one-off questions. But yeah, I, 
I like I like what they've got at defensive end, especially starters. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance to have a little nice little one-two combination there. Teddy had a, docor- a doctorate in OU linebacker play. Stutzman has much to prove <laughs> to be in Kalmus League. OU ain't had a big-time inside linebacker since Curtis Lofton. And please do not say Kenneth Murray a B.A. inside backer. Murray's softest linebacker I ever saw. Dang. That, I feel like, is a bit dramatic. Um, I think that uh, Kenneth Murray was, uh, he wasn't a perfect linebacker, but he was really good, and you can't take that away from the kid. Uh, He, at times, wasn't surrounded by a whole lot, which... You find any great linebackers, I can guarantee you they've got great defensive linemen playing in front of them. Like that is, and those two work in tandem. Um, you know, the D line makes the backers good and the backers make the D line good. It has to work together. Um, I, I can't get on board with that assessment of Kenneth Murray, but I will say that I believe that this group the inside backer group, there's there's several guys that have the potential to be really good. Several. Several. Including the youngsters that just got on campus. So I'm watching eagerly. Real quick, uh, compare the tight end H-back room this year compared to last. Well, one big noticeable difference for me, or what I think we're going to see, with a guy like Daniel Parker, who's six foot two, 249 pounds, I me is going to like seeing a tight end with his hand in the dirt blocking on short yardage situations or just running situations entirely. Maybe that's going to be different. You know, it's interesting. It's one of those. Um, it's one of those things that is kind of hard to predict right now. We just don't know. We just don't know what what the. Like the play calling is going to look like from Jeff Levy, how much he's going to get those guys involved. And he probably doesn't even know himself at this point. You got to kind of see what you got and see how things round out and who makes plays whenever you you give them opportunities, who's a gamer, who shows up. I, I will say this, though. I think that Braden Willis is a tremendous player. I think he is athletic as heck. And I think he is going to get a way better run at things because he's not going to be the premier blocker. Yeah. That's going to be Parker. And when Parker's, like, all of the two tight end sets, Willis will probably be the guy in motion. He'll probably be the guy that they're, you know, is running the over routes whenever they run boots because you're going to run a lot of zone, and when you run a lot of zone, you're going to see a lot of boot, and that's whenever tight ends – get some opportunities. So I think that there's definitely a chance that the tight end position is way more productive than it was last year and even um, you know a couple of years previous. But I don't think it's going to be Mark Andrews type of production. Agree. You know? Yep. What do you have thousand yards whenever he won the award? So I I think that would be quite the stretch, but I I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you see Braden Wills have a nice uh have a nice season. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one here from FSBO Homes next. 
Cavens Construction bringing you hour number one of the rush on Monday. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, CavensConstruction.com. We already mentioned Key Lawrence in the show, and it's interesting that it kind of coincides with Tennessee, uh, those violations getting thrown down on them. If not for that situation in Knoxville with Jeremy Pruitt, maybe Key Lawrence, Eric Gray, and Wanye Morris don't end up in Norman. That could be three starters for you this year. But my favorite stat, Teddy, is after everything that's been handed down by the NCAA, Jeremy Pruitt's tenure at Tennessee, he had 19 losses, 18 NCAA Level 1 violation, and just 16 wins. More level one violations from the NCAA than he had wins at Tennessee. Beautiful. Yeah, not a good ratio. Not a good ratio. I, uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for Tennessee because supposedly the NCAA is going to have a new way of handling things. Like when. Tennessee, like they complied, they were proactive in in a lot of things that they did concerning these violations. I, I the NCAA, I feel like they're going to get the Oklahoma State treatment. We'll see. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two is coming up. FSBO home. Stay stay tuned. His look to the outside world, like he doesn't really care. He just wants to be there, play football. And going onto the field, he brings tremendous arm strength, tremendous accuracy. He can move well in and out of the pocket. And um, I'm just looking forward to playing with him. How about that? Mims talking about his quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Wow. Doesn't care about anything but playing ball. That's, Let's go. That's fine. That sounded nice and everything, but it didn't sound anything like what Brent Venable said about Dylan Gabriel today. <laughs> Buddy, if you think that sounded nice, it was not close to what uh, Coach V thinks of his uh, QB this year. I he, uh, he, he loves him some Dylan Gabriel, man. Um, and it really feels like, and we've said this multiple times, and I, I definitely thought this, but hearing him talk about it today, it was, yeah, I, I'm uh, solidified even more in that opinion. Look, is Caleb Williams, does he have a higher ceiling as a quarterback than Dylan Gabriel? Sure. But if there's like an ideal Brent Venables quarterback on just how he goes about things, it feels like it's Dylan Gabriel. He, he's saying that he's a dude. He called him a war daddy, actually, which I thought meant a defensive lineman, but Venables called his quarterback hmm. a war daddy today. Interesting. So are you worried that Venables is talking Gabriel up too much? <laughs> no, not really. Because when we no? had him on a couple weeks ago, uh, Gabriel's on that island time, like we said. Calm, cool, and collected. Doesn't really feel like much got to him. Or that much does get hmm. to him. Not concerned here. Should I be? Okay. Well, I don't know. I. You said that he. Uh, it doesn't come. Mim, what Mims just said doesn't come close to what all Venables has said. It didn't. I. I don't know. Guess I don't know what to think. Um, I. I think. I think Dylan Gabriel's going to have a good season, but if he's talking like that about him. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, you know, was here, watched quite win a Heisman, 
watched Bradford win a Heisman, watched uh, Deshaun Watson and Uh-oh. Trevor Lawrence. Be careful on that one. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying what he said. I'm I I'm not, you know, given the opinion that I'm just telling you how he talked about his quarterback today. It was like, dang, okay, he likes his QB one. He's pretty set with this guy. Called him a war daddy. I've never heard a quarterback be referred to as a war daddy before. That was new for me. Yeah. Well, okay. So what, does this change your opinion at all of Gabriel? Uh, it, might, it makes me feel even better about it. Uh, it's hard. Dude, you have to understand, and I actually think that you do, but when he gets going, and especially when it's in a um, – when you're in a setting where you're hearing him speak in the same room – it is really hard not to fall into, oh, my God, everything this guy says is absolute gold. He's talking this way about Dylan Gabriel. I mean, is he just going to win one Heisman, or is he going to win two if he comes back next year? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. He has that gift and that ability. I remain very optimistic about Dylan Gabriel in the season that he may have this year. And perhaps next year. But I guess I don't know. I think his ceiling is, it's not necessarily his talent level. I think it may be like the offensive line and some of the pieces around it. I don't know, as of right now, I don't know that we have an elite rusher. I don't know that we have an offensive line that can be Consistent, providing uh, uh, both run and pass blocking. I feel I'm fine at wide receiver. I think we're going to be fine at wide receiver. I think we'll be fine at tight end. But I think some of those pieces have to be there for him in order for him to have the type of season you may be waiting on. Sure. Do you want some quick hitters from the Citizens Advisory Board OU Football Coaches Luncheon today? Here are a few things that were said. The uh, Thad Turnipseed was up there, and he was asked about his comment that Brent Venables is the closest thing he's ever seen to Nick Saban. Apparently, Brent told him to never say that again, (laughs) which I think is (laughs) pretty funny. But uh, Turnipseed did say that his passion for recruiting – and the defensive side of the ball is is like Coach Saban. So there was that. Uh, Britt Venables okay, said, <laughs> quote, I love the mindset of our football team so far. Uh, I want it to be blue-collar, aggressive, tough, consistent. Our guys have bought into those standards. Guys have bought into that. So there's that. Spring practice was amazing. We have returning production in the right spots. How about this quote? Here's one for you. Really like the nucleus of this offensive line, a position that you just referenced as a massive question mark. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, I like the blue-collar statement. Go back and read that one again. You you read the statement, and before I had a chance to comment, so you moved much. on to the next There's statement. so much. It was a typical Brent Venables setting where I'm, like, frantically trying to type everything that's being said, <laughs> and I'm doing it for, like, 30 minutes. Um, I love the mindset of our football team so far. I want to be blue-collar, aggressive, tough, consistent. Uh, we're buying into those standards. Guys have bought into that. See, 
That's what I'm talking about. It's a it, it's a far cry, and it's it's different than what we've been used to the last handful of years. And I I think every coach in the country is going to be barking out those same lines, but we know that not everyone lives up to it, right? Not everyone lives up to it. And I fully believe, at least right now, that Venables is holding them to that. It's going to be blue collar. There are going to be no, there's going to be no special treatment out there for individual guys and quote superstars. You're going to get the same thing across the board. It's going to be work ethic, toughness, physicality, details, plain and simple. That's it. Yeah. Don't make it more than it is. A uh, very underrated quote from the luncheon today. It's he was mentioning that you know only one person has asked me about NIL. Only one guy in all the interactions I've had so far with the job, only one guy has approached me, and the first thing they asked was about NIL. And he's at Texas now. <laughs> I was like, yes, it wasn't real. I guess it was a setting where you could say yes real loud. But, you know, I, I really felt like, dude, that was, that was great. It was a shot and it was landed Was there perfectly. a reaction? Not really because he just keeps going from one thing to the next. You really don't have time to react. But regardless, it was amazing. One guy. And wow. He's at Texas now. It's beautiful. Beautiful. That's great. And uh, the the uh, the question that I referenced last hour, asking him, you know, who's the young guy that's on campus now that you see having a great career? He mentioned Billy Bowman. Talked a lot about Billy Bowman. Mentioned Key Lawrence, focusing on safety alone. Uh, Danny Stutzman, Javante Barnes. He said his maturity is beyond his years as a freshman running back. Dude, then went on about Jacob Sexton and how athletic he is and how strong he is and already gifted, how gifted he already is. And then uh, Nick Anderson, the uh, true freshman wide receiver. Those are the names that he mentioned. I'm telling you, do not slip on the Anderson kid at wide receiver. In, in spring ball, like the first maybe five, seven practices – uh, anytime I talked to a coach up there, it was Nick Anderson. And then he I don't know what he did, ankle or tweaked something, um, and, and couldn't finish or didn't finish the rest of spring or was like wasn't full go, whatever went on there. But that was the name that I kept I heard the most in in early spring practice. So yeah, that's not shocking to hear him talking about him. I mean, he didn't mention... He's got the pedigree. Yeah, it was just... He didn't mention Jaden Gibson. And that doesn't mean that he didn't think Jaden Gibson's going to have a great career or even a great season, but to not mention Jaden Gibson but to mention Nick Anderson was like, okay, that does confirm what, yeah, the scuttlebutt was early on in the spring, even though he didn't play in the... Even, you know, he didn't play in the spring game. Who cares? You never know. Some guys may be having a tough summer. You know, is that a hint there or what? No, 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 no. I don't know anything, but um, the the summer is the real separator. Spring practice is easy. You got a day between. uh, You got practice. You got a day off. I mean, it's not. It doesn't. I mean, those practices are are physical, and you know they're going hard. But 
what becomes demanding is whenever it's back-to-back and it never stops and it gets harder every single time. That's what they're going through in summer right now. The summer is the real separation of the men and the boys. Well, there ain't no doubt about that. Uh, that was referenced the summer conditioning that is going on right now. I, I, I did like that. That turnip seed's really good in those settings. No surprise there. He has like a, con- a construction background. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like that's how that's how he got started with with Saban is you know because he played at Alabama and with Dabo someone, by the way. Yeah, and someone came and was asking for donations and because they were trying to build something and he's like no i don't have any money for you but i can help you build it or i can build it for you and that's kind of how he got involved um and so he started he was involved in all their construction stuff whenever they started really pouring money into their facilities there at alabama well uh thad's message today was you know it's gonna take everyone Everyone around here, you know, that's an OU fan, whether that's wearing the T-shirt or whether that's uh, letting him borrow the plane, or like, you know, I, he, I mean, he mentioned everything. It, it was the perfect way of saying, uh, "Let's let's start donating to the program, people. Come on, where's the? Let's get the donations yep. rolling in." Yep, that's right, that's right, and um, yeah, I'm going to start to need people to donate their plane for me. No kidding. Uh, man. We're doing important work here for the team, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Text line. Is it Nick Anderson, Rodney Anderson's brother? Yes. Yes. Correct. Nailed it. 817 area code. What's Justin Harrington's future? Well, he's not on scholarship or at least he came back to the team in the spring and wasn't on scholarship. Um, this is his last year of eligibility. It's going to be tough for him to get on the field, but with a nice training camp, I guess he can put himself in a position. I don't know. It's very cloudy from, what I think is is my answer, at least. Cloudy. I think he'll have an opportunity at safety. I think he could have an opportunity at nickel. Just kind of have to play it out and see how it goes. Um, now, safety is going to be tough, really tough. But there may be an avenue there at nickel to be able to maybe fight for some playing time. Uh, be careful, BV. Wasn't too long ago. I listened to an OU coach talk up five foot three Brendan Radley Hiles. Hmm. Buki. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that, it was actually at that same exact event. He right? was uh, compared to Roy Williams that day. Yes, <laughs> that, that that did happen. I can confirm. OU runs the table. Dylan Gabriel gets an invite to New York City. Well, if OU's running the table, he's getting more than just an invite to New York City. He might be walking away with the trophy at the end of the night. Well, you can't. Yes, you I can't can. Say, yes, I can. If they run the table, on a yes, I can. Well, if the, you have to say it, you said he'll get more than just an invite. You you have he to will. say that he'll win it. You he'll can't it. say that he might win it. He'll he'll win it. Undefeated season. What if Ohio State's undefeated? Ah, huh? it's fine. Weak schedule, Teddy. They don't play it. No, Big well, they, Ten doesn't have anyone. They play Notre Dame the first week. Uh, you're giving Caleb Williams too much credit. He only had two good games and struggled in the rest. I think that's pointed at you. Who? Me? When do we talk? Have we talked about Caleb Williams today? Uh, yeah, we actually did, saying that. Um, 
Caleb Williams may have a higher ceiling, but Dylan Gabriel just is the ideal fit for this situation and this year with this staff. Yeah, well, um, I think my record on Caleb Williams is um, been pretty verified. I had to fight you tooth and nail all last season. All last about season, how... it was like three weeks. All right, it wasn't all last season. Three weeks, six weeks, six weeks, four. He's he he's a good player. Hey, Caleb Williams is a good player, and you got to remember he was a true freshman last year at Oklahoma. Um, he did some amazing things. He did some horrendous things, but. You know, you can't really make your final determination on what type of player he's going to be. Uh, you know, they're going out to the Pac-12. They're, they've got an unbelievably easy schedule, except for a handful of difficult games. And I'm sure he's going to light some stuff up and he's going to make some special plays. But whenever things get tough and people start throwing the right defenses at him, he may clam up. But I do expect him to get better than what he was last year as a true freshman. It doesn't sound like Dylan Gabriel enjoys shopping too much. A war daddy that wants to play football probably doesn't even go to the mall very much, LOL. Can you confirm how much mall time Dylan Gabriel has? Um, I don't think I don't think he's a mall guy. You know, is anyone a mall I, I could guy be. or a mall person? I thought everyone just got their crap off Amazon, two day shipping. Yeah, there's some mall people. They're all sixty five plus years old. That's where they go to walk <laughs> in the AC. <laughs> uh, last one before we hit a break. Mean, we, we got several to get to, um, but we got to hit a break here. I don't even know. You've been in a relatively good mood today, especially for a Monday. I don't want your mood to totally crater, um, but. I do believe in shooting you straight here. I, I want you to hear the news from me. Uh, text line is confirming breaking news. The Chaco Taco has been discontinued. Yeah. I'll let you I know. Uh, have I a saw break that. Warn. I had that uh, written down to hit in things that caught my eye. It's frustrating. I don't know how it's possible. Whenever everyone is talking about now that it's discontinued, how much they love them. How can something that everyone loves be discontinued? I don't get it. Isn't that what Sugars did? Acted like they were going to be discontinued? Um, And and they have been discontinued, but I felt like Hmm. there was multiple rumors over the years just to generate interest. It was was pretty smart. Maybe that's what they're doing here. The Sugars model. Yeah, I think someone is going to buy the rights or the patent or whatever it is that you have for the Choco Taco and continue – uh, production. There's there's no way you can have something that that fantastic that just dies. It's not going to happen. Thank God we're we'll getting out of the Big Twelve. To come in and, now there's really no reason yeah. to go to Kansas State for a football game if there's not going to be any Choco Tacos up there. Part of me believes, and maybe it's just hope, that Kansas State has been hoarding <laughs> like a massive walk-in freezer of Choco Tacos somewhere. And that's why they've been unavailable everywhere else is because Kansas State is uh, – I could buy that that's all Bill Snyder's been eating for the past five years. He has two Choco Tacos a day, and that's his, his entire diet. I guess it is 
uh, fitting, though, uh, well, I guess we don't know yet, but maybe we never make the trip to Kansas State again. And if there's not going to be Choco Tacos there, who cares, right? Don't even matter. This, will, this don't is, what, care about this is that trip ultimately anymore. what's going to send him to the Mountain West. No more Choco Tacos in Manhattan. <laughs> They've been flirting with <laughs> right. it forever. This just confirms it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two will continue. Remember, hanging out at FSBO Homes today. Check them out, fsbohomes.com. they got a team of local qualified professionals to help guide you from pricing to sell. It's a better strategy to attract the buyer. It's all done online now. You don't need to list it. You can do it all online. They're going to help you take the right pictures, uh, get the advertising right, get the price set right with an upfront appraisal. They've also got attorneys to help you through uh, the closing on the back end and all the paperwork that comes with it. It's just one easy free uh, fee at FSBO Homes. We'll be back. Or number two with the rush. Keep those texts coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman here. Uh, the Everyone's frigging out right now about the ESPN FPI the matchup predictors for every OU game this year. Here is uh yeah, here's how they sort out. Mind you, OU's over under win total is either at nine or nine and a half in most places. According to the ESPN matchup predictor, OU has a ninety-seven point nine percent chance to beat UTEP in week one. Too high, too low, or dead on balls accurate. Uh dead on balls accurate. Kent State, 97.1%. Okay, yeah, I think I'll get on board with that. At Nebraska, 11 a.m. on Fox, 60.5% chance to beat the Huskers. 60.5? It's got to be higher than that. I definitely I don't know how they arrive that. at that. I, I don't know. I think that probably has to do with how they forecast the spread, and I, I kind of forecast it to be a close game, so do you, and maybe that's why the 60% number is there. But I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm more confident than 60% that Oklahoma wins, if that makes sense. Yeah, Kansas State, 80.5% chance to win at home. I'll take that. I think Kansas State's going to be a good football team this year. Yeah. TCU on the road, 68% chance. Almost, almost 69% chance to win. I know. I know. You got to bump it up a number. Let's go, guys. I guarantee, come on, you know that the FBI put out 69% and they didn't want to get everyone all into, you know, uh, a heated conversation about it, so they just put 68. So lame. Or they didn't want you making uh, jokes about the show on it all day long. I tell you, I, I'm, just nice. sitting, I'm just sitting around enjoying my Sunday, and I'm not saying that she shouldn't have done it because I laughed at it. It was hilarious. But Victoria, one of our loyal listeners, is tweeting at both of us yesterday about the number 69 being referenced to something. Yes. Gotta love it. Maybe that's Gotta what, love it. Maybe that's what ESPN was afraid of. I don't know. All right. What about OU Texas? Yeah, we're, it's it, – well, hang on. It, 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 there's a higher probability than 69% over TCU. Uh, it's yeah, 80. dude. That's, that's – yeah, that's accurate. Well, OU Texas – 
OU has a 44% chance to beat Texas, according to ESPN FBI. 44.6%. They actually say Texas has a better chance to win the game at 55.4%. LOL. Mind you, um, OU has won four straights. They have won six out of seven. They've actually won ten out of the past 13. Texas was five and seven last year. OU was not. But still, the ESPN FPI, as crap as it is, says Texas has a 55% chance to win the game. Yeah, it's wrong. It's wrong. Um, I think, I would, I would say Oklahoma, 60%. Mm, I'm, I'll go 65% on that, please. I'll, I'll go a, a little bit higher. Well, here's the thing. I, we've seen how this game has gone. Most likely, it's going to be incredibly close, and I, I, you, you can you can put it incredibly close with the percentages, and I've got no problem with that. But you can't, you cannot favor Texas in that game. You I just agree. cannot do it. I agree. That's what they did. It's pretty awful. I mean, there's just no yeah. like. Uh, there's no substance to the Texas hype, and really, Teddy, like, there's no real substance to thinking OSU or that think OU is going to just fall off of a cliff and die. So, how do we arrive at these numbers where there's where there's no substance to either of those two opinions? Like, how right. can you definitively say that you think o- Texas is going to be a better football team than OU this year, and they actually have a better chance to win the game? Based on this what? is, this is the perfect example of what University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables was talking about today at the coaches luncheon. Texas has a ton of returning production at running back, at wide receiver, right? Yep. Their their skill position players are uh, amazing. But on the offensive and defensive line, they're lacking. At quarterback, they're lacking. Quinn Ewers may have an unbelievable year. But you can't project that because you just don't know. The guy hasn't done anything except for collect NIL checks. Kid's done absolutely zero in college football. So you just you can't do that. You lose it's instant credibility killer to to pick Texas to win that game. And and I understand full well that Texas may win the football game. I think it's going to be incredibly close. But you can't Pick them yeah, to do it's, it. It's it's really dumb. Uh, KU ninety six percent chance to beat them. God, let's hope I can't do that two years in a row. Uh, yeah. Iowa well. State fifty nine point two percent chance to beat the clones up there in Ames. Uh, it's about that time, Tyler. I'm really going to hold off until August. Last year it was a, a full year blitz by me, but I sense. The Iowa State Please love affair don't. coming I can't, back. I can't do this again this year. I've done it's it for back. three consecutive years. I know it. Uh, I someone know likes it. Hunter Upper Deckers, the left-handed quarterback that Iowa State's going to have this year, I guess. Ba- Look at the lefties all of a sudden ruling the Big 12. Yeah. Um, Baylor, 69, <laughs> Baylor, 69.5% chance. There's your number. Wait a second. OU's got a 69% chance to beat Baylor? 69.5. Wait, wait, wait. We got a 69.5% chance to beat last year's 
Big 12 champ, Sugar Bowl champ, but we've got a 44% chance to beat last year's 5-7 and seven Texas. I'll make it make sense even more. According to the ESPN-FPI, Texas has a 73.4% chance to beat that Baylor team. Texas does? Yep, 73.4. Oh, my God. Screenshot that, buddy. <laughs> I already tweeted out the uh, the Texas 55% chance, but, yeah, the Texas over Baylor one is actually probably worse. Uh, please Baylor give me Baylor. is going to grind the University of Texas into dust. They're gonna ur- I don't know they're gonna what the Urban final score is. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's exactly what they're going to do. It's going to get really awkward. <laughs> really, really awkward. Yeah, uh, that that is that's ridiculous. West Virginia, 73% chance in Morgantown. Okay. Uh OSU, 63.9% chance. Too high, too low, dead on balls accurate. I say too low. On on Oklahoma State, yeah. I think it's I think it's too high. Too high? What? You think yeah. lower to to win Bedlam this year, dude? Come on. I'd, I'd go. I'd go sixty. Unbelievable. Teddy's trying to be one of it's those media members away. now that plays both sides. No, so no, I don't no, no, root no, no, no. No one. I just want that. I want it to be a good game. I, just, I don't want anyone to get hurt, and just want it to be a good game. And I always root for Oklahoma State as long as they're not playing OU. God. Um. No, I. That's one of those that that game is so late. I, I, it's hard for me to have like a real dramatic pick one side or the other on that game. I think Oklahoma has a chance by the time that game's being played to to really start to separate themselves. And that's what I'm banking my too low but, prediction on there. Yeah, but there's a chance that maybe it doesn't all come together just as perfectly as I see. And I, I, I do think that Oklahoma State is going to be better than maybe the majority, myself included, have predicted well, they're going to Spencer be. Spencer Sanders better be a whole heck of a lot better if that's going to be the case. I, I know it's they want to play the about, same way as a year ago. I, I get that and understand that, but we'll see if that's possible with, uh, you know, a new defensive coordinator kind of, you know, the, the losing some defensive pieces. Their D line is going to be really good, though. That I will not. Push back on. Their D-line is going to be legit. Two, two critical things. Their defensive line is legit. Maybe the best defensive line in the conference. Maybe one of the better ones in the country. And their offensive line is going to be better than they were a season ago. So, and I know there's different pieces. Uh, the Rodriguez kids gone at backer was a tremendous player. Should have been a Butkus finalist last year. They lost some guys off the back end. But those two things are absolutely critical, and I think they can fill in around it. So I'll go 60%. Now, uh, hang on a second. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got one, you got one more? Uh, tech, 72%. Which, you know, Joey McGuire already said, well, we're going to beat OU, we're going to tear down the end zone as soon as it's over. So that, obviously that one's too high. Too high. Uh what is Texas versus uh, the University of Alabama? <laughs> Probably Texas, like uh, 50-50. 50-50. That's a coin toss game. <laughs> uh, let me see. 
Alabama and Texas, 11 a.m. on Fox. Bama has a 75.3% chance to win. So what the ESPN FBI is saying, Teddy, is that Alabama is the greatest assembled football team in college football history. If they have a 75% chance of beating this Texas team, and Texas is favored to win every other game on its schedule by a wide margin, then Alabama must be. Alabama could probably beat 2001 Miami. That's what ESPN is saying. Right. Well, it's funny because I my guess is that Alabama is probably and I'm I'm trying to find this cuz they they just put an article out. Um <laughs> Yes, this is it. Uh Oh no, that's that's combining oh, uh Alabama and go. Ohio State. Jeez. But I was going to say that Alabama's chances to win a national championship are about the same as they are to beat Texas. You know, (laughs) that's kind of, that's kind of where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, um, if it wasn't already enticing enough, and it was definitely enticing for me, the nine or nine and a half, either one, the over under on OU, I, I mean, we just spent an entire segment making fun of the ESPN FBI but OU is favored to lose in just one of those games, and they have an over-under at like nine and a half. Mm. I just it the, the betting the over on OU just continues to look more and more tasty. And I need to get yeah. it done. I need to get it done at some point. I got forty days to do so. Need to act quickly. Let's go, here. man. I know. You better to- do it now before things change, because they can change quickly. All they have to do is say, Yeah, yeah, we're not gonna do that anymore. It's back up to ten and a half. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, since you stole my Choco Taco uh, being Sorry about that. taken off the shelves, being dead, I had to find some other things. Now, this is interesting. Kyler Murray, we all know, signed the huge contract with the Arizona Cardinals. What's odd is there's an addendum in his contract that requires that he does four hours of independent study per game week and they also put in there that in order to get uh, credit for the four hours he can't be doing anything else he can't be logged in and playing video games or logged in on an iPad or any of that, any electronic, it has to be, um, has to be that he's totally focused for four hours by himself. Uh, in addition to what he does with the team of film study in a game week, that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I've never seen that. Uh, last year in an interview with the New York Times, he said, quote, I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. 
Uh, this year, he is indeed about to sit there and watch film <laughs> if, if he wants that contract. Well, Lincoln Riley kind of said the same thing because I can't remember where it was, but someone asked him about the different preparations. Maybe it was Toby about like how his different quarterbacks have like how their differences in preparation are. And whenever he got to Kyler Murray, it was like, um, yeah, Kyler just uh, just kind of went out there and did yeah. his own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, whenever you're you're as good as he's always been, it's kind of hard to force yourself to go in and do some extra stuff, you know. But that's crazy. $46 million a year, and they've got to put it in his contract to watch four hours of film every game week. I would say – the average NFL quarterback on their own, this isn't counting what you do with film review with the team, of time on their own film study, I would say 10 to 12 hours at least. That's like that's probably the average. There's guys that go way over that. For NFL quarterbacks, and they're asking him to—they're trying to four make it verify that he it. does four. Jeez, that's great. I love that. Um, I knew you'd like this. Did you see Jim Harbaugh at the beach in his khakis? Uh, so his daughter did a bunch of TikToks of Jim Harbaugh traveling. This was around about a month ago or so, and their flight was delayed like everyone else's flights trying to you know, fly these days. And he was like sleeping on the ground in the airport, like laying down. It was very odd. And yes, he He's had his khakis on. Well, the Michigan football team, they had some type of event where they were at the beach at one of the lakes out at um, uh, Muskegon in in uh, Michigan, and there he is. Everyone's out there, shirts off, swimsuits on, hanging out at the beach, and he's got a Michigan shirt on, and he's got his khakis with a belt. He does at least have them rolled up, but my God. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. I I can't imagine how white his uh, legs would be. Always wearing khakis. He lives in Michigan, you know, where the weather's uh, pretty rough about, what, eight months a year up there in Ann Arbor, probably. Um, He may have saved us all by not showing us those white legs that he has. I'm looking at them right now. They appear translucent. Mm. Mm. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I got a couple here. Surprise, surprise. Wow. Nothing happens until after they win a national championship. But reportedly, Bill Self hasn't been out on the recruiting trail in quite some Ooh. time. He did not participate in recruiting on the road in June and July. And according to CBS, he and his uh, number one assistant, Curtis Townsend, were held off the road for the live recruiting period and subject to self-imposed sanctions from Kansas as the NCAA fractions case concerning the team continues. So, of course, you know, nothing really happens (laughs) until they win a championship. Go figure. Self-imposed sanctions. Yeah, after we go out there and get that championship run, yeah, Bill, won't you take the summer off, okay? We're not even going to ask you to go recruit. Just go spend some you time. Go to the Mediterranean, uh, get your golf game together, maybe go get – well, no, I'm not going to go there. But, yeah, it's 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 the biggest scam you to make of a toupee time. joke? Is that what yeah, you held back on? Yeah, I would have laughed. Yeah. Uh, last one I have, we're up against it here. 
The next evolution in NIL, is it coming? Well, Alabama is partnering with Fanatics. They are opening a team store within Bryant-Denny Stadium this year called The Authentic, and it will feature co-branded player merchandise such as customized Nike jerseys, game-used, autograph memorabilia, trading cards. So basically, Alabama inside the stadium is going to have a dedicated store uh, all NIL driven with player jerseys, autograph stuff, game use stuff, all that stuff. That's a pretty cool idea. Pretty cool. That is definitely an evolution when it comes to NIL. And surely uh, to be quickly copied by everyone else in college football. But good idea by them. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at FSBO Homes today. Check them out, fsbohomes.com. Going to help you get your home listed. It's really easy. Got a, a team of local qualified professionals to help guide you from pricing all the way to sell. They got a better strategy to attract the right buyer. They're going to do it all online now. You don't need to list through MLS. Everyone finds their homes online. They've also got attorneys to help you on the back end uh, through the contract negotiations and closing services, all of those things. And the best thing, it's an, it's just one, one fee, upfront fee, and then a fee paid at closing and you know what it's going to be. There's not going to be any surprises. Check them out, fsbohomes.com.